All right, Q&A tonight, so let's pray and get started. Father, we do uh, just lift up the time tonight and pray, God, that, uh, Lord, that uh, people would get answers for things that are in their hearts and, and things that are uh, maybe even bothering them. So I pray that you would just guide this time, that you would bless this time, and pray for wisdom, Lord, that they would get answers for, for what's there, that you would provide those. And so we just give you this time, look forward to it, and thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, as uh, Pastor Rob mentioned, the bad thing he didn't mention is we were talking about this in the back room, and he said, when did this take place? And I said, in the like mid-60s, like 66, and he goes, oh, that was the year I was born. <laughs> like, I'm going, dude, that was rude. So, <laughs> so anyway, now we know when Pastor Rob was born, 1966. So I just thought I'd let you all know that. But anyway, uh, hey, as we're, as we're getting ready, I like to lay out a couple ground rules. Uh, I think the way you can get involved is up there. But in here, we don't want you texting or using Facebook. We want you to ask questions. So once again, we're going to ask that. Uh, if you have a question, stand up, give us a question, and uh, we will repeat it here on the microphone so those who are watching online can hear, and then hopefully we will give you an answer. So uh, that's the way we're going to be doing it. And the main ground rule is do not ask me a question you already know the answer to. And by that, here's what I mean. Don't ask me a question you just want to argue about. You know, if you're sincere about wanting to know something, that's fine. If you want to argue, see me afterwards, I'll argue with you. But we don't want to just argue up here and banter back and forth. So please, let's keep it to that. And uh, hopefully, we'll get some uh, questions answered. So having said all of that, let's get ready and start. And now we have the awkward pause. Oh, look, right away. Hey, here we go. But it's an awkward question. Oh. Um, throughout the Bible, you'll read about demons. You'll read about possession of demons or bad spirits. Uh, is that pretty much gone now? Is it, is, or does that still occur today when people have bad spirits in them? So, so the question for, for everyone who might not have heard, uh, biblical demon possession that you see throughout the Bible, does it still happen today? Is it still present? Right. Or is that gone and done with? Right. Good question, Corey. Go to Bisbee. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Oh, forgive me, Lord. Uh, <laughs> but that is a good question. And, you know, I think, I believe it's still going on today. And remember when we're reading the Gospels are a three-year period? So three and a half years maybe is where, I'm just thinking of the time Jesus was ministering. And they weren't everyday occurrences. We read something and we're reading it in a short span of time and we think it's occurring often. So same with the book of Acts. The book of Acts is 20 years, and we think, boom, 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 look at all this that's happening. So I believe 
the demons did not go away. People can still be demon-possessed. Having said that, I do not believe that believers can be demon-possessed. The Bible says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And uh, I heard someone say it best, my heart's not a duplex and God doesn't timeshare. So I think that's a great way to look at it and to put it. So I don't believe... I don't believe demons. I don't believe uh, believers can be demon-possessed. I believe I've seen demon possession a couple times. One time, and not to just be funny, one time was in Bisbee. There was a lady who was definitely demon-possessed, but used that, and, and she was very heavily involved in the New Age and called it channeling spirits, but definitely there was definitely a demonic presence in her and uh, some people wanted to go and cast that demon out. The thing is, it doesn't always work the way we think it's gonna work. And then when, I've, when I was in India, I saw demon possession up close and personal. So why do we not see it all the time? I think the same reason, biblically, you didn't see it all the time. I think it's an occasional thing. Uh, but I think it's still real and valid today. Does that help? Good. Right. There are those who teach that Christians can be demon-possessed. I think that's, from my understanding of Scripture, I think that's a false teaching because, you know, because Christ is in us. How could a demon be in there? Can we be oppressed by demons? Absolutely, you know, and hassled in that way, but not possessed. Okay, good. Okay, okay, then we'll get to you. Let's do here and then. Okay, yeah, good question. Oh, I'm sorry, you gotta repeat it. You can repeat it if you really want Well, that's why you have a microphone. Uh, So in Romans, oh goodness. In Romans uh, chapter 11, it talks about the fullness of the Gentiles. When that occurs and the rapture happens, what is the eternal destiny? Is it locked into place with the non-believers left on the earth? Yeah, good question. Number one, I do believe I do believe there's a number, and we don't know it, and that's why, you know, sometimes I joke, but I'm kind of sincere. 
When we give an invitation, you might be, if you're not born again, you might be that last person that's keeping us all here, so you need to accept Jesus. So just, just a little guilt trip there going on. Uh, if, you're, you know, if you're a Jew, it's okay. If you're Gentile, come on. But anyway, uh, for those who are left after the rapture, I believe, I believe they will have opportunity but in 2 Thessalonians, it says that their heart is hardened to where they'll believe the lie. So I like to caution people, if you're alive now, you know that scripture, I don't think you wanna resist and hope that during the rapture you can change your mind. I, I think it's changeable. I don't, I don't think they're locked in, but it sounds to me, especially uh, in Thessalonians where he says, you know, they believed a lie and they're, they're hardened in that area. So uh, I would say yes, they can be saved, but I think it would be very difficult. Okay, does that help? Good, good. In the back, they're in the middle. So essentially, um, can demons, can Satan repent and, and be sincere, be honest in that repentance and come to Christ in that knowledge? Okay, great, great question. And I believe scripturally, as we look through scripture, there was a time where they locked in their position, where they chose, I'm going to follow good or I'm going to follow bad. And I don't believe they can repent. Jesus came and died for humanity, not spirits. So, but I believe they're locked in and uh, they, they can't repent, they can't change their mind. That's, you know, that's something I think happened outside of our realm and that's between them and God, we could put it that way. But when you say, wouldn't it be good if there's no more, no more evil and all of that, that's coming. And that's coming when he, number one, he's gonna come and set up his kingdom. There's gonna be, listen, there's gonna be that this time on earth that Jesus is gonna rule and reign. That's gonna be a good time. There's still gonna be evil in man's heart, but there's not gonna be that persuasion from the devil because he's gonna be locked up for a thousand years. Then he's gonna be let loose. Then there's that ultimate final rebellion of man against God, and then God puts all of that down, puts it to rest. Then there's no more evil. There's no more tears. We go into that kingdom. So that's what we have to look forward to. So does that help? 
Good. Okay. Yeah, no school too. of ministry final questions. <laughs> so how do you reconcile God so loved the world and died for the sins of the world whilst him predestining some? Great question. And it's a hard one. It's a hard one for us to come up with. Number one, I think we always have to be careful that we never use and think about the doctrine of predestination and evangelism at the same time. I think we should evangelize everyone and not try and decide any of that, not try and put that in there. Uh, I do believe God so loved the world just because he's working in such a way and working out his plan doesn't mean that there's not that universal love that he has. Uh, did Jesus die for the entire world? I believe he did. There are some in Calvinism who say, no, he only died for the elect. I understand, and here's the thing, I understand that theologically, and I even understand it logically by what we just stated on predestination, but it's not biblical. In 1 John 2.2, it says he's not only the propitiation for our sins, but the sins of the whole world. How do I reconcile that? I gotta be honest, I've spent 30 years studying the Bible, looking at that back and forth, I haven't completely fixed it in my mind yet, but I know both, both are true, and I accept that by faith. Does, I know I didn't help you at all, but <laughs> that's, my, that's my pat answer. So, sorry, Lolo. No, I don't like your questions. No, you can't. <laughs> Did God raise Pharaoh up to 
for the specific intention of doing evil in God's own sight? No, because God doesn't do evil. So God raised him up with a choice. Pharaoh made choices, God used those choices. Did God know he was gonna make those choices? That's where we're gonna kinda play that whole thing out. And I think when we start doing that, we start, here's the thing, God is completely sovereign in what he does. Man is completely uh, responsible for the decisions he makes and we have volitional will. God has given us that. How do I reconcile man's volitional will and God's sovereignty? I don't, I don't think we can. If we diminish this one, we take away from God. If we diminish this one, we take away from our humanity. We have to understand they live together and because God's outside of time and space makes everything different for him and we don't understand that. So I accept both by faith. And I know someday when I get to heaven, when we're there and there's no more evil and we're celebrating, I will have some understanding of that. But right now, I choose to accept both by faith because both are taught in scripture and I don't wanna take away one for the other one. So I know again I didn't help you, but God bless you. (laughs) And no, you cannot ask another question. (laughs) But I don't believe, here's the thing, God does not create evil nor does he do evil. So we have to be careful how we interpret those things. Does that help? Okay. Oh, I thought someone was raising their hand there. You guys are hot back there, sorry. Okay, so we got a question texted in. Uh, Jude 14 says, and, the, or, and Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, behold, the Lord comes with 10,000s of his saints. Question is, who are the 10,000s of his saints? We just taught that like a few weeks ago, so get our teaching on that. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> so. <laughs> They're, they're the saints, uh, so it depends on where you're putting that, how you're gonna interpret that. Some interpret that as he's coming with angels, and so I believe that's the interpretation he's coming back with his church. And it's the church, after we've been raptured, then we come back with him to rule and to reign for a thousand years. So that's my interpretation. Thank you, text person. Was that a text from in the sanctuary or outside of the sanctuary? <laughs> they shall re- remain anonymous. <laughs> so, kind of based on the predestined uh, question we asked, could it possibly be meaning that when God created us in Adam and Eve, he uh, created us destined to be with him eternally in harmony and in bliss and happiness? Could that be what he was referring to? So is the Bible possibly referring to predestination in the predestined for heaven, but not in the fallen state that we are? I'm not sure. I'm not sure I understand. So you're saying God looked, when, when Adam and Eve were created, we were predestined in that, then they fell, and that messed up his predestining? Not 
well, yeah, we know he wanted that, and, but yet, I don't think that's, I don't think we can go there with that because we did fall, and he created us knowing we were gonna fall. So I kind of get where you're going, and here's the thing I think we do with predestination, and I don't wanna make this a whole Q&A on predestination, but on predestination is something hard to understand. Number one, predestination is not fatalism. And by that, here's what I mean. Predestination does not mean we become robotic and automatons and we just go through and that's our end no matter what. So we have to keep that in mind. God does not work in a vacuum. He works in people. So as I said before, we have valid choices. We make valid choices whether to accept him or reject him. We make valid choices in following him and serving him. And all of those are good, valid choices. At the same time, God has his plan that he's working that is perfect. And I don't know how we, we can't reconcile the two. Uh, Spurgeon said it best, I don't try and reconcile friends. So I kind of like that. They both work in tandem of each other and... Again, if we take away from one, we're doing harm to one. If we take away from the other one, we're doing harm there. We, we can't deny predestination. It's biblical. It's in the scriptures. It's talked about. But then again, we can't use that, oh, well, I did this because I was predestined to do that. That's being a dork. So, you know, you can't, you can't do that either. So I hope that helps. And, and, you know, throughout, it's funny when you study theology. I love to look at theology. I love to study theology. People are always trying to fix it. Like, we're trying to defend God. Well, God didn't really mean to do that. Well, I think he did because it says he did, you know. And so we try, we try and make it okay for God from our viewpoint. Again, remember, God lives outside of time and space. We can't comprehend that because we live in, you know, a, a time and space world. So we just, sometimes there's things you have to leave alone and accept by faith and trust God. And always go with what you know, not with what you don't know. So I hope that helps some. Okay. Oh, go ahead. No, you can't ask anymore, Lolo. (laughs) Save it for school of ministry. So how could God in deity take on the sins of the world, be separated from himself, and all of the ramifications? I mean, I mean, you know, that some of it, again, we've we got to be careful because we can't understand part of it. So n- number one, Jesus did not become a sinner. 
He took on the sin and he took on the punishment for that sin. Here's a you know, counter question. How could deity die? Because he died. He physically died. So you know that's some question people have. And again, we have to be careful in all that. I don't understand. It's hard to comprehend everything that went on in the cross, all that that means. And I believe we're gonna spend eternity understanding that and putting it together. But yes, he took on sin as deity, but I, 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 in my mind, the way I resolve it is that sin didn't touch his deity, it touched his humanity. So, I hope that helps. I don't know that he could separate, I, that's just my mind, and uh, someone will probably write in and correct me and fix it, but someone smarter than me. We'll get some theologians in here. So, uh, does that help at all, Brenda? Yeah. Okay, Lolo, golly. Do you guys ask these questions in school of ministry? Oh, okay. All right. We need to do a separate school of ministry Q&A. So, Pastor, I know Jesus said when he's back. So, um, I, I'm trying to get myself understanding better so I can you know, do what I came with you. Uh, understanding the, you know, the purpose, you know, what, what was fasting done in, in biblical times and what is the purpose of fasting? So, why do we fast and what is the purpose behind doing it? In Isaiah 50-something. I don't have the exact scripture. He talks about this as a fast. And I believe we fast, and as he talks about it, we fast to put our hearts in the right place, to get us in the right place to hear from God and, and that we can uh, be used of God, I think even in more powerful ways. We wanna put ourselves in that position. So in fasting is denying something good for something better, is the way I look at it. And so the, the purpose is for me to get in the right place where I can hear God and receive from God. And I think, and then he talks about breaking the chains and, and et cetera. I think we need to fast to put ourselves in that position so we can be better used of God also. So we're not, it's not the hunger strike. You've heard me talk about that, right? Some people say, I'm gonna fast till God does such and such. That's called a hunger strike, <laughs> you know? So we're not fasting to move God, we're fasting to change us and put us in that place. Does that help? And so we wanna understand, and, we, and I believe, you know, I... Here's an example, years ago, years ago, we'd, we were witnessing to this couple and the lady was coming close to accepting the Lord and Gaynell said, hey, we should fast and pray so that she'll come to the Lord. And I said, I don't wanna do that. Like I love food, right? <laughs> and I'm thinking, I love food more than her. So I don't want to do that. And Gaynell said, come on, man. And you know, this is, this is crazy, right? So here's my wife, come on, you can do it. And I go, no, I don't think I can do it, man. I love food too much. And uh, so she says, come on, let's just fast. Let's do this and let's fast and pray. And that was one evening and we prayed together and quote, started a fast. And within hours, there was a phone that went off. <laughs> Was that you? 
<laughs> was that your phone, Rob? No, it was his. Was that your phone, Rob? He's not even holding the phone. <laughs> You're holding the phone. <laughs> so, so anyway, within hours, within I think it was like within two hours after we had that discussion, decided to do it, there's a knock on our door, and she had come and said, I want to pray with you guys to accept the Lord. And, you know, and so I kind of look at it. We didn't say we're going to fast till she does that. We want to fast to break the chains and to be available for you. And, and <laughs> the crazy thing, like, we got done praying with her. She went home. I go, let's eat. And Gaynell goes, no. <laughs> she goes, we're, we're doing this thing. Come on, Pat. So I was spiritual for 10 minutes. But anyway, so. That's just, but I think, I think it's, you know, the times I've done fasting, it's been for me to be in the right place for God, not for him to be in the right place for me. So I hope that helps. And, and I think it's kind of a lost thing today. Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58. So I think it's kind of a lost. I think today the church is not doing that as much as, as uh, uh, I think we should. So... Hopefully that helps. Yes. So for those who are for those who are saved, is not entering the kingdom of heaven like it talks about in some of the epistles. If you're a drunkard, if you're in that sin, is that an option for those who are saved? So, is if you're saved and you drink, can you enter the kingdom of heaven? Is that what you're asking? Oh, oh, I got you. So, so if you're in the middle of being drunk and you die, are you going to go to heaven? Right. Okay. Good question. That's a, I mean, I think that's a very fair question. And I always answer, I mean, both of those, suicide and, but we'll do the drunkenness first. So if I'm a believer and I blow it and I start drinking and I get drunk and I crash my car and I die, am I gonna go to heaven? I believe yes, because he died for my sin and took care of my sin. And so that doesn't mean I flippantly sin, but it means that one sin's not gonna keep me out of heaven. And part of it is all of us are gonna die with sin because we've committed sins that we don't even know we've committed. And so we're gonna die with sin. So that's not gonna keep us, if we, sinning doesn't keep you out of heaven, not believing in Jesus keeps you out of heaven. And the same with suicide. Is suicide a sin? 
yeah, I believe it is. You're taking a life. But I believe at the same time that sin does not keep you out of heaven. And I think we need to understand that. Now, I always tell people uh, when they ask me specifically about suicide, number one, why are you asking me? Because if you're in that place, I want to talk to you. I want to sit down and have a conversation. But the main thing to me about suicide is those who are closest to you, who you are trying to protect. I believe most people who commit suicide are trying to protect those who are closest to them because they're, they're worried they're hurting them, they're ruining their lives, they're in a way. Those people who are closest to you will never, ever, ever get over your suicide. So if that's why you're doing it, you're doing it for the wrong reason. And you need to know that. I, I have talked to several people and one was on the phone with pills in their hand and I said, you need to know your family will never get over this and, and praise the Lord, they put the pills down and walked away from that. So I think it's important. On the other side, I think it's horrible when we tell people if so-and-so committed suicide, they're not in heaven. I don't believe that. I believe, I believe they would be in heaven. Yeah, it's a sin, but as I said, if, 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 you know what, if this building collapsed and killed all of us right now, any of us in here without sin, don't raise your hand. And, you know, so just think of it that way. So does that help you? Praise the Lord, good, good. Here we go. Good question. So when hey, we hey, hey, hey. oh, I'm sorry. Man. Patience, patience. So, will we have physical bodies in heaven? Can I hug you when we get to heaven? Yes, you can. Yes. Okay. You can't hug me here. Oh. So, so here's the thing. When obviously when we die right now, our body stays here. So our bodies are not risen until Jesus comes back. Then our physical bodies are risen and they're fixed. We get a new body. So at one point in heaven, but if I died today and Matt died with me, in heaven he couldn't hug me because I wouldn't have my physical body yet until Jesus comes back. Then we get our physical bodies, then Matt can hug me. Does that make sense? She also asked for scripture, where would you point somebody to, to show it biblically that that's the case? One, uh, number one, the resurrection of Jesus was physical. He has a physical body. He was raised in his same physical body that was recognized by the disciples, right? So that would be one. And then I'm trying to think of one uh, 
just as Jesus was raised from the dead, we will be raised from the dead. So uh, Thessalonians talks about our bodies being raised from the dead. So does that help? Good. In the back again. So, so in reference to the resurrection, does it matter if we're cremated, buried, ashes scattered, tossed in a ditch, anything? If your ashes are scattered, you'll never be put back together and you're doomed. No. Uh, it doesn't matter. My God's big enough to find those ashes, put them all back together, make them again. So uh, I know, you know, that's a big question. And for uh, some denominations, it's a sin to be cremated. Uh, because they say then God can't put you back together. But there are people, you know, we have in our generation, we have 9-11. Those people were cremated in those towers. God can't put them back together. That's unfair. You know, so, and some of their ashes got blown all over, right? So, or, you know, people who are in, in you know, maybe times of war where they're blown apart. God can still put them back together. So, uh, I hope that helps. All right, another, another text in question. When a believer dies, especially if they have an illness, either chronic or terminal, we often say how wonderful it is uh, that they are now healed and pain-free. What about unbelievers? Do they get healed as well, or do they spend eternity oh. with whatever illness they had plus the torment of hell? That's a good question. I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure about, did you repeat that? No, it's like, <laughs> I'm not sure about that illness. That's kind of a good question. I don't know if they get healed, but uh, yeah, but they're, they're in torment forever, so the healing or not, yeah, I don't think it really matters. So that's, a, that's kind of an interesting, huh? Yeah, I don't know. I don't think you want to teach at it at a funeral. <laughs> Just saying. Like, oh, sorry, man, they didn't get healed here, and they're not, so. All right, last, last one that was texted in. Uh, when pastors disagree in Bible interpretations, how are we supposed to know whose interpretation is correct? An example of this is the interpretation of Genesis. <laughs> Genesis 6, 1 through 4, and the sons of God. How do we know who's right and who to believe? I'm right. <laughs> we, need, we need this answer for more than just Genesis, though, too. <laughs> that was great. Who texted that in? You? Anonymity. We didn't promise texters anonymity, whatever you that didn't. means. I did. That's a big word. I'll so, explain it later. That's, that's hilarious. So it's most, I don't know if you guys know, I think that's questions coming from Robert Furrow because him and I disagree <laughs> on Genesis 6. I don't think he'd text it in. But hey, when pastors disagree, pastors can disagree, which is good, I think, because if all of the pastors everywhere agreed on everything, that'd be rather boring. So disagreement's okay, right? So which one do I believe? You believe the one that, 
uh, you've studied and looked at it and you believe that one or the one you like the most. I don't know how, you, I don't know how to say that. Uh, as long as it's not heresy, right? So that's a good scripture, you know, and, and just using the reference. Robert Furrow and I totally disagree on that. Which one of us should you believe? I would tell you to believe me, right? I mean, that's what I would tell you. He would tell you to believe him. So uh, that, and I think that goes across the board unless it's some essential doctrine that's proven through scripture that now you're, you're, you're deviating from what's revealed in scripture and what's true, then you believe the one who's on the side of truth. So I hope that helps whoever texted that in. Thank you, God bless you, Robert. <laughs> Man, in-house, oh, here we go. So with the current state of the, the world and the country, is this a, a preparation for revival or something else? I really, I'm, you know what, I like that question because most people say, is this the state of the end? And I like your question because you've got hope. Is this state of revival? Could be. That's what I'm praying for. I wanna see the world changed. I wanna see God pour out his spirit again and do this massive work in our time, I mean, wouldn't that be phenomenal to watch God move in the hearts of people that we never thought he was gonna move in and change our world and change the direction? So uh, I don't know, but I, I'll pray with you on that. Yeah, I think that's a great, great outlook on things rather than just being negative. So good job. Hey, it's close to eight. We can do one more, one quick one. I think I do. I think I do. I don't, so go ahead and elaborate. So the question the question is, I believe what you're saying, is it just evil or is it demons at work doing things? And I think a little bit of both. You know, remember, I think I think what we're seeing in our country is the fruit of rejecting God. You know, back going all the way back to, you know, the dark times when I was in school, way before Rob was born, <laughs> we used to pray, we used to salute the flag, you could open the Bible. They banned all of that from school during my, my time in school. So I think we're seeing the fruit of that. So some of it are decisions against God that we've made that are definitely just bad decisions, evil decisions. And some of it is demonic influence. I, I believe some of the uh, issues with transgender and, 
and uh, you know the the homos- LGBTQ plus stuff going on. I think that is demon demon uh, demon pushing that to the degree that it's going that it's absolutely insane. So, to your a short answer is yes, both. Okay, all right. Good questions tonight, huh? Yep, all right, so, uh, let's all stand up and pray. (laughs) You guys are great. Father, we we do pray, Lord, that uh, God, we could could stay close to you. I think of these questions, and, and good questions tonight, and sincere questions of, trying to figure out life, trying to figure out our relationship with you. And I pray that this has given some of us the hope that we need. I pray that it's given some of us an insight into scripture and who you are and who we are. But most of all, God, I pray our relationship with you is strengthened because of, uh, of getting answers and looking scripturally at our lives and at the world and at our relationship. So, Lord, thank you for this time and continue to work in our hearts, continue to guide us and direct us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.